Hello and welcome to Medium Salt, the podcast that seasons 90s nostalgia with a medium dose of salts. I go by Matt and I am joined today, as always, by my good friend, Kate. And today, we are both joined by someone very, very special, my wife, Dr. Threethi Stocks. Today, we've got some fresh salt. We are going to talk about Disney Pixar's Turning Red, directed by Domi Shi and starring Rosalie Chang, Sandra Oh, James Hong, and a whole host of others. Uh, but first, Kate and Sync or Backstreet Boys. Oh, it's obviously in sync. Obviously in sync. I'm really Thank glad you. we're on the same page about this. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually my first concert, so this aspect of the movie was interesting. Totally all about in sync. And of course, I should have known long ago, but I always really liked Lance, and he was the you know, NSYNC member who turned out to be gay. And I was like, yeah, you know, that tracks. So (laughs) as did my very first boyfriend ever turned out to be the most fabulous uh, person ever. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, well, at least I have a solid track record. Seems good. Yeah. I was into Jay-Z who ended up doing nothing with his life. (laughs) Absolutely nothing. Why didn't any of us pick, um, what's his face? Justin Timber. Like he was the one that went on and like, I don't know. Because he gives psychopath vibes. Yeah. But he and his wife actually do a lot of charitable work. And, you know, because he married, uh, what's her face? So does the CEO of Exxon. Sorry, I promised we weren't going to get 3D fired. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. um, I mean, that is not an incorrect statement. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is true. Um, But you you can be rich and not do charitable work. So, at the very least, being rich and doing charitable work sounds good. Maybe. It's a low bar. (laughs) It is a low bar. It's definitely a tripping hazard, yeah. Um, I think if I were a person who got rich from being in a boy band, if that was even possible, I'd probably just be like, and now I'm done. You know, I'm a millionaire (laughs) and I'm 20 and I'm just going to not be in the public spotlight anymore. Maybe that's what Jay-Z did. Let's say so. Maybe he he's just really off nice somewhere, hair. like enjoying some, some uh, what's it called, margaritas or something. Yeah, and you know, every he's just once the in most well adjusted out of all of them. Like, he, <laughs> like he doesn't crave fame or anything. He's just like yeah. he's done. He's like, all right, cool. Yeah. That was fun. Every once in a while, <laughs> someone on the street recognizes him and is like, "Aren't you that person who was in that thing?" And he's like, "Yep, that's yep. it." <laughs> <laughs> that's neat, isn't it? Yeah. He's like a CPA or something. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, I feel no. like we now. Na- I I almost feel like we have to look up what his deal is right now, and also I would rather never know. I choose yeah, to no. believe that he's a CPA right now. We just need to. Uh, we need to imagine a lot of really potentially interesting jobs for him, like CPA. That was a good one. He could be an actuary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Maybe maybe something super sciency. I don't know. That'd be fun. Yeah. Whatever you want. The world is your oyster, children. True. Just don't let the fame get to your head. Oh, yeah. Which, um, Mara Wilson, who we stand, is perfect and wonderful. And I love, I love reading and it, hearing about her experiences with the entertainment industry and her, her take on it. it seems super down to earth to me. So, but anyway, what about you, Matt? 
and Sinker, Backstreet Boys. Uh, if you talk to me about NSYNC or Backstreet Boys, the only thing that's going on in my head is that Flash animation where the Backstreet Boys are gay. What? I don't think I ever saw that. Oh, seriously? Like the whole like, uh, oh, fuck, Backstreet Boys are gay. It's, I'm sure someone's uploaded it to YouTube. because I'm sure that they have. I'm, yeah. I'm sure the original is fucking lost to time. <laughs> but it's it was a, uh, was I Want It That Way? It was a oh, parody. yeah. So mm-hmm. instead of I want it that way, it was like Backstreet Boys are gay. I'm not a singer. That's so. Backstreet's back. Boy. All right. Yeah. I was because like, That's they a totally were all produced by the same artist song. or the same producer. We know all of the words. It's no, true. no, no. The Backstreet Boys are gay are specifically like. No, the wrong song. It's not I want it that Referencing way. the wrong Backstreet's back, all right. That wasn't the Backstreet Boys are gay, though. Oh, it wasn't? No. Okay. For fuck's sake, you're talking about a video you haven't even fucking seen. <laughs> uh, basically, just like the number of syllables you were trying to fit into the other song didn't make sense. I was with Judy, but that's also fine. <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's start over. From the beginning. This is where all that's the That's it, I'm pulling fixes. it up. I'm pulling it up. Fucking Jamie over here pulling up Backstreet Boys Gay. Yeah, that's going to be on your computer search history for all time. That's okay. Google already thinks I'm gay. Yeah. May Google send you results for Backstreet Boys for the next 10 years. But my my song was definitely Bye Bye Bye. But I definitely mm-hmm. listened to entire albums. So I know the more obscure and sync songs too. Yes. Same here. I really, really enjoyed uh, No Strings Attached. Oh, yes. That would have been the right song. All right. I got it up. Let me know if you can hear it. You can't hear it? Mm Mm-mm. All right. How will we know you're right? No, this is, that's, it's important. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate the call out, though. I think I only chose NSYNC because my older stepsister loved the Backstreet Boys. And so I was like, well, I'm going to like NSYNC because they're the uh, polar opposites, I guess, <laughs> but while still being in the exact same category. <laughs> one stepsister from one. We are on fire. We have desires, but one is that way. One backstreet boy is gay. Yeah, that was definitely like an early 2000s understanding of homosexuality video where you're allowed to make fun of it, you know? Oh, yeah. No, no. I, did, I didn't like, say it was a good joke. No, I didn't like, think you, you were. But I, <laughs> even even though the movie we're talking about was like the early 2000s, I hadn't put my head back into that headspace yet where it's like being gay is worth sniggering about on the playground, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, no. It's like a, it was whispered about as if you were a Bigfoot or the Loch Ness Monster, you know? Yeah. Although, to be fair, I think this movie did a good job of not doing that. Yeah. Much to Disney's chagrin, I imagine. Oh, yes. Yes. Matt actually noticed this. I don't know how we start this thing, so I'm kind of waiting just for you to take the lead. Oh, okay. Matt actually noticed uh, this element of... The film. We should probably do like the whole beginning. Okay. Yeah. So what's turning red? 
Oh, good question. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent segue, my dear friend. Turning Red is the new Pixar movie um, from Disney about a girl who turns into a giant red panda. It's a very, very subtle metaphor. <laughs> Extremely. <laughs> yeah, so subtle. subtle as a fire truck. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's nice to make the things that you don't like about yourself a cute animal manifestation, a la furry-ness. <laughs> so, I liked the movie. I thought it was a good movie. I liked it too, but it was emotionally taxing. I told Matt, so obviously we watched it together. We are married. Um, and uh, <laughs> we wa- I like that that's what, make, that's what makes you married. It's nothing else. It's just that you watch movies together. That's, that's how we that's, got married. <laughs> yeah, that's the glue. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think the glue was something else. I think the glue was like Metallica or some other nonsense. But anyway, um, the we we watched it together. Matt and I watched it together. And I told him, I was like, objectively, this movie is amazing. And I never want to interact with it ever again. Because it was too, like, it was... Like, I didn't expect it to just beat by beat, like, be my entire life story in the teenage years. And I did not like that very much. And so there were so many moments where I was like, nope, stop looking at me. I don't want to do this. So it was really good. And it was a good representation of, like, the types of things that, that, like, there was so much in, in it that, like, reminded me of my particular experience and I think common experience of Asian Americans many Asian Americans, not all Asian Americans, um, in our country, but at the same time, or well, and in Canada too, right? Like moving to a different culture and that kind of cultural shift and mismatch and your parents are from one place and you're, you're kind of trying to fit into another place. And so I really, there, there was just a lot there that I was like, I don't like this. I'm feeling way too many feelings right now. Yeah. I mean, that was the main crux of the film, right? Having, multiple uh antithetical sets of expectations right i feel like i feel like a lot of the message will resonate in a more universal way because i feel like even without the additional culture shock just growing up and not being what your parents want is a universal experience maybe or i could be projecting (laughs) because i'm definitely not (laughs) what my mom wants me to be but it's it's that that tension of how do you become someone who you are without disrespecting where you came from yeah Mm -hmm. yeah well i think for for we're probably going to get into spoilers here in a little bit but um probably from my perspective like the main thing is like you know at, at a certain point you only see this from a child's perspective and i have the like a new lens in which like i see it both from the child's perspective and also from the mom's perspective and so it was when when watching the film there were so many things that i was like oh yes and i can think back on my own experience and realize like it, when i was you know 13 or 14 or in my teen years like in that age time frame that this was like you know unfair and awful and how could they and then realizing like from the mom's perspective that they you know like all they care about is trying to protect you and they just mm-hmm. like just as much as you're trying to fit into the culture they don't know what mm-hmm. it looks like from this cultural perspective and so they're just trying to protect you from everything that they think is like 
negative or going to, you know, have bad implications for, for your future. And so it like, there was that double whammy, I think for me of like, oh, I see both sides and I don't like that very much. (laughs) (laughs) No, thank you. I thought they did a really good job of showing the mom's perspective in this movie too, because she's very humanized. Like she's not like, I love the part in the movie where immediately so she was on the couch saying, how could she talk to her own mother that way? And then her mother just happens to call right at that second. And I was like, oh, that's perfect. Because <laughs> that's exactly how it is, right? She, I don't know, the generational um, passing down of neuroses, I think, is my my theory mm-hmm. about that, right? Like, as you're, you know, especially because I feel like, and maybe this isn't fair, and I don't have the... <laughs> I don't have the creds to say this, but I feel like culture and uh, society-based and society-wide changes happen more frequently with each subsequent generation. Mm. So because of the increase in technological advancement, right? So we went from having the internet be a fad to now if you don't have the internet, you can't interact with the world at all to who knows what's next, right? But that was within our generation. Right. So Mm -hmm. dealing with all of these changes, Uh, Matt and I, the last episode that we were recording, we're basically saying how much we love Gen Z, even though they scare us a little. So, (laughs) yes, they're fabulous. I I agree. (laughs) Yes, I agree with that. Yeah, Matt and I regularly have conversations about like, what is the thing that like with our child, we're going to be like, oh, my God. And our Mm -hmm. child is going to be like, calm down. This is just part of life. And then, you know, like in 10 years for everyone in the entire world it's going to be part of life but we're going to be Mm -hmm. so freaked out about it by that point and i'm really it's not the metaverse because matt has already told us that it's not (laughs) going to be the metaverse (laughs) (laughs) but there will i'm sure there will be something right like i i know i remember uh, maybe maybe not for y'all i lived more of a sheltered childhood than y'all did but like i i remember it was like do not share anything about yourself on the internet And now, like, you know, like, do not put your picture online. And now Mm -hmm. it's like, of course, of course, everybody's pictures online. It's just I remember the part of mongering. Don't tell them enough details that they could ever possibly piece together who you are because people will come and murder you was the underlying like message, right? That was the wrong message. Don't put everything online because then you'll get weird ads. Don't put everything (laughs) online because the government is watching you and eventually maybe they could use it against you. So, mm-hmm. well, it's actually a perfect example of this. I was talking to my dad recently, um, and I said something about LinkedIn, and my dad was like, "That thing is horrifying." They had like they ask you for all of your resume details, and you just put it, and then everyone <laughs> can see it. And I'm like, "That's how job that's applications how work. jobs work now." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Yeah, that's the whole point. That's not yeah. that's a feature, not a bug." But yeah, I feel you. So. There are going to be so many things like that. And I think this movie does a really good job of showing, like, that, like, there's that disconnect between what they, what, what the daughter, like, thinks is important and what the parents think is important. And, like, Mm -hmm. for both of those generations, it is accurate. Right. Because the parent, like, at least from, like, my personal perspective, you know, like, the part of the, like, that immigrant experience, right, is that your parents aren't, my family calls it settled, right? Like, your families aren't settled Um, And so, like, their entire, like, bag of concerns is, you know, are you going to, like, have enough 
to, you know, are you going to have enough to have a good life, right? And so it's yeah. like your education. Are you going to and be successful, you know, essentially? Yeah, exactly. Like, are you going to, are you connected to the right people? Do you have the right education? Do you have like all of the appropriate credentials, right? But like, what they didn't have time to think about fun. And so they're not no. thinking about fun for you, right? And then like you're in, you know, middle school and high school and you're thinking about fun and it's like that disparate perspective. And the movie does a good job of being like, both of these things are valid. Mm-hmm. And one day you're going to learn how to balance that. Um, but not right now. <laughs> but not for years. <laughs> <laughs> so buckle up. Yeah. I feel like I'm curious to know, Kate, what when when you looked at like the red panda and the representation of the red panda like what did you feel like like obviously that metaphor is very loud as matt said um <laughs> but you know what what did you feel like that represented to you cuz so, you connected with this film yeah i i'm not an immigrant really i just grew up poor and with a family that had high expectations i guess for for much the similar reason which is go to college, be successful. We need you to do these things because reasons, whatever. Um, So I found it really interesting in the movie that it's so largely tied to her emotions because Mm. that's really, it's just sort of kind of represented to me the things that people don't like seeing about you, like your needs, your pain, your wants, things like that, right? You're supposed to keep those pushed down, especially from an older generation's perspective, right? Like, don't be whiners, these new millennials with their their problems or whatever. Um, like, you're not supposed to talk about that, right? Something bad happens and everything is very hush-hush. We don't talk about Bruno. We don't talk about... Uh, we don't talk about the bad things that happen or things that make us uncomfortable. We push all of that down. And I feel like that's even stronger for Asian American immigrants because they come from a, you know, when you come from generations that have recently experienced war or being pushed out of their countries for something else, these these things don't seem as important or as serious because I think Maslow's hierarchy of needs has been sort of disproven, but there's a there's a glimmer of truth to it, which is, you know, if you're used to fleeing from, you know, crime or war, and then your your daughter's like, oh, but I really want to go to this pop concert. You're killing me. It doesn't seem it doesn't seem like it should be taken as seriously, whether or not it is. So anyway, back to being more succinct about my answer. I definitely feel like the red panda represents whether or not it's correct, represents the separation of all of the things and expectations you don't feel like you're living up to. So like for May May, it was a lot of her anger, right? She never felt comfortable expressing anger towards her mother um, or anyone really. She always just had to keep it down and the, the impulse or the expectation set on her was don't be emotional, right? Don't show emotions, even good ones. Don't show them. Mm -hmm. So yeah. What about you? Yeah. I, so quick aside, because this is my soapbox, but uh, Maslow stole the hierarchy of needs from the Blackfeet. You can go look it up on the internet, but it's like a whole thing. So go look it up on the internet. 
that Maslow will be the aside jerk. for today. Yes. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so I felt like the the panda as metaphor did was like the most universal, I think, for like teen girl and girlhood, somebody who's mm-hmm. been socialized as a girl or like the experience of girlhood. Um beyond just that like you know that immigrant experience because there's Mm -hmm. so much in there of like that you know like you don't show emotion you don't show your anger like you're supposed to be perfect Mm -hmm. um and that is such a like you know that's how women are socialized to a great degree is like you know you're supposed to like keep that all in and you're supposed to be perfect you're supposed to be well behaved all of that sort of stuff so then like when you experience a strong emotion um that and like the panda comes out right like that's a big deal um mm-hmm. and then you know layered on top of that the cultural elements of you don't do this um in the context of your elders you don't do this in the context of um in the context of like a society that doesn't accept you fully right mm-hmm. like don't show your panda keep it hidden away like keep it locked away because you because like you may not be perceived effectively by that society. And so I feel like that does double the work of things like that. And in the, there's a scene where, you know, they're testing her, right? Like of all of the different Mm -hmm. things that she, that she like potentially had to worry about, you know, and, you know, making sure the panda doesn't come out. Could she control the panda enough to go to school, you know? And it's like, Mm -hmm. uh, like a B plus on a test or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. And that, you know, like that's that, feeling of failure you got to be perfect then but then on on the flip side of it it was like a bunch of kittens like you should you know you shouldn't you shouldn't be happy um and then there was so much like overlaid of like sex or the experience of sex right like her mom thinks it's the period at first you know right there's a boy band which is innately sexual Mm because they're our boy like the the purpose of boy bands when we were growing up is like to you know just like oh look we these men are so hot even you know they weren't men they were like 16 but how um, do we capitalize (laughs) on young female sexuality the same way we capitalize on young male sexuality exactly and so you know encouraging it (laughs) so yes because that would be bad yes And so, like, you know, it does that, it does that double work of, even at the end, she's like, I like gyrating, and I like boys, <laughs> I like, she's, like, yelling at her parents. The whole, like, uh, her using her little panda butt dance to try to upset her mom was the funniest thing to me. I could see, <laughs> I could see me in a rebellious face being like, look, I'm shaking my butt. <laughs> <laughs> what I loved about that is that actually pissed off a bunch of uptight people in the real world. What? Oh, did it really? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <gasps> this young lady twerking her butt. How dare she? For our and our children are watching this. <laughs> I know a lot of people in the real world got upset about like the mention of periods. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The one oh, scene gosh. where they mentioned pads and everyone's all uptight about it. Like, how do I explain that to my child? It's like, well, some people with uteruses. Yep. Have is the peony a monthly blooming? bleeding cycle. Yeah. That's what happens. Yeah. That's so hard. Yeah. That's so difficult. We have to keep it a secret and vilify it and not explain it to our children. So yes. right. Yeah. You want them to encounter it by surprise. Right. That that ends well. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I know multiple AFAB people in my life 
who, when they got their first period, because of like how horrible our communication and education is, they thought they were dying. Oh, no. Multiple yeah, women. Yeah, that's I know. not good. I got my period and just kept it secret for months. I got mine and I was like, oh, I was so ashamed. I just didn't tell anyone for months. And I just stole mm. things to deal with it. By stealing, I mean, oh. like from my bathroom sink under the cabinet or whatever. But yeah. I realized that I had like a relatively liberal sex education situation for Texas because I went to this thing at in like the fifth grade where they were like, this is what happens. Um, and then and then my mother was like, now, you know, tell me when mm-hmm. it happens. My, the only the, the only thing that I in retrospect I find funny is that they explained the like 28 day cycle but badly and so mm-hmm. I just thought that like you get your period and then you bleed out of your uterus for the rest of time oh no and so like I'm talking to my mom and I'm like I don't know how to deal with this it's so hard it's so painful and she's like what are you talking about it's four days <laughs> we had a moment. It's fine. yeah that sucks. Well, it didn't suck for long. My mom told me yeah. it was four days. And I was At like, At least oh, it cool. doesn't okay, actually last less, forever. Less bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it feels like it lasts forever. You know, that is a really good point, though. Because I don't, uh, I don't know of any other Disney movie that has ever actually overtly mentioned menstruation. It's yeah, probably not overtly. Mm-mm. Yeah. Especially yeah. not in, a, well, I mean, it's embarrassing but in a somewhat healthy way where she's like, here are your pads. Here's all your whatever, whatever. Don't worry. I've got I've got aspirin and things like that. But. Yeah, that was the other thing that I felt like this this film did a really good job of is like from the outside perspective, like obviously, you know, from, from like a teen girl perspective, you're like, oh, my God, my mom. So embarrassing. And then from an mm-hmm. outside perspective, like you saw like the mom as like like she's like functionally like the ceo of this temple right like she's like she's a you know like for lack of a better term a businesswoman like she's competent in her whatever her work is Mm -hmm. supposed to be right even though that that work is uh the work of the temple but then also like she's like cooking the dad cooks like it's a whole like there's like a there's like a an homage to care and the importance of care and especially the importance of food in asian Mm -hmm. culture that is like, I think, I mean, relatively universal across Asian cultures. Like I know in the Indian culture, there's a lot of like, um, there's a lot of like food. Um, for those of those people who don't know me, I am South Asian. Um, and so there's like a <laughs> lot of food. Um, and basically the adults in your life showing affection by shoving food in your face, right? And that's there's a there was a lot of that in the context of this film that was like, oh. You, like you need something, I know how to eat. I know how to meet a need, and it's for you to eat. Right? Like, food oh, is the way you for sick? you to are meet you this need. Are you hungry? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Totally perfect. The whole that, like uh, shoving the bow into her mouth. <laughs> it's just so cute. <laughs> yeah. That's so, uh, that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Nope, I was ahead. just gonna say, yeah, the the panda metaphor in this film is doing a lot of heavy lifting and a lot of like, it's it's like an amalgam of a bunch of different metaphors. It's 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 yeah. it can be re- represented so many different ways. Um, it's an otherness, really. Like that's what yeah. the metaphor is. Any otherness. Yeah. So like, there's yeah, because there's like obviously the whole a uh, red panda you have to do you have to do a, a ritual at the new moon. 
Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. you know, it happens upon a girl reaching, like, womanhood-ish. Yeah. And all the stuff. But also, like, on top of all those really standard things, I think it also represents, it could be read as neurodiverseness and or mental illness. Mm-hmm. The way that it's genetic and passed down. It's um, true. And they, like, they all, like, her entire family learned how to, like, deal with it. Oh, like, you're um, autistic. Here's your mask. You know? Yeah. Put this on, so like, never take it off, don't let anybody ever see. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like this is like uh, May's story of, of how she learned to live with it. Yeah, you could see that like in the case of like, m- you know, mental illness on various different levels, right? Because at least in my culture, um, you know, there's like this, you know, you don't talk about it. Like you're like you meet your needs in private kind of thing, right? And mm-hmm. so like this even like what's in vogue right now is like the go to therapy and do all of this stuff. But it, you know, like I was raised with the, like, don't show your anger. You need to be like calm. Like you need to be like the still water on in a pond, you know, no, Mm -hmm. no ripples, no anything. Right. Like you need to be, you need to be totally calm. And so like this idea of like, you have anxieties, you can, you can at least acknowledge those anxieties. You can learn to work within that. Um, is can, can be like mental illness, you know, having literally like capital A anxiety or capital mm-hmm. D depression. You don't, you should acknowledge it instead of just shutting it down. Well, and even just the, the idea that we don't think that the people above us are imperfect. So we're trying to, we're trying to meet an expectation that they didn't even meet. Right. But, we don't know that mm-hmm. that's the case. We only think that there's one direction, right? Like you have this very specific set of rules or customs or whatever that you have to follow. And I think the thing that resonated with me a lot about this movie was the <laughs> the mortal terror I felt at the thought of disappointing my mother ever. Um, mm-hmm. Which lasted until, I don't know, maybe a couple of years ago. And now mm-hmm. I, I just have a little bit of apathy about it instead. But this idea that you don't know exactly what's going to happen if you drop this ball, you just know that it's too terrible to think about, you know, mm-hmm. like this mounting stress that you just carry around on on your shoulders to try to be the things that you're supposed to be. You know, like if you have an A minus, well, it should have been an A plus or why aren't you doing this and this and you should blah, blah, blah. I'm sure you're well, well aware of that, both of you probably, because we probably all have the gifted child experience, but... Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, like, I I know that, you know, a lot of the stereotype is like, you know, like anything less than a, than an A plus is like, you know, extreme disappointment or whatever. But Mm -hmm. I think there's, there's the version of that, that like your family puts on you. And then there's a version of that, like in equal measure that you put on yourself. And I think I, I agree with you, Kate, that I was very much like, this is, this is something that I like, I heard it a couple of times and then I put it on myself more than anybody else would put it on me. And so I would get really stressed out, probably needlessly in a lot of cases, because it was like, well, they didn't care that much. They just wanted to me to be like basically successful. And then when it happened that I am basically successful, they were like, oh, you could <laughs> feed yourself. Cool. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
it's a it's a lot. I think part of it is just a misunderstanding about what kids take seriously, too. Especially back when we were growing up, because not a lot of work had really been done or at least popularized in that time about Mm -hmm. like, especially like even in this, in this film, they're like, but you're just a child. You're just a child. The, the invention of childhood is relatively recent within the last, I don't know, 200 years probably. But before that, Mm -hmm. largely, you know, once you were old enough to help work in the farms, you were right. Like you weren't necessarily granted everything that an adult did, but you just existed around in adult life. Right. Um, and so this idea of this artificial bright line division between when you're a child and when you're an adult, I've always found to be interesting because it also, there's a wide cultural difference between what one society views as adulthood and what another one does. And this movie was really like writing that line, right? Like the girls saw the going to the concert as them going into womanhood. Um, her family saw the ritual and the panda is going into womanhood. And it's just a, it's interesting how that perspective is different and kind of arbitrary, right? Like I think mm-hmm. the thing that when I grew up, I was like, you know what? No adults have any idea what's going on. Why didn't I know this sooner? You know, how how did they pull one over on me for so long? Because I'll think back to, so my mom had me when she was 22 and I am 33, whatever. So I would have like a 10 or 11 year old right now. And I cannot fathom that at all. Like that just seems absurd to me as a different life um, experience. Yes. What about you? I can relate to that as well. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, I just like there's so many things that I like I realize more and more in my life experience. And this was really like true in the movie as well, that like all of the things about me that were like, quote, problem areas for my family, like that I that didn't fit into like this box were all of the things that like later as my mother and I have had conversations are like exactly like they just like came straight from her. Um, so like, like, yeah, so like you realize this in the, in like after the fact and you're like, oh, okay. So like all of the things that you were like trying to shut down in Mm -hmm. me are also things that like you did. Um, and like, you struggled with with the, your demons too. And she, yeah, yeah. Like the, with the mom and she like turned to this, to this giant panda and then the dad is like telling i thought that was a really sweet moment between mm-hmm. may and her dad um where her dad is like well like she had a fight with her mom because of me like yeah. it was still all about sex and boys and mm-hmm. it was still all about her wanting to have you know some divergences in life from mm-hmm. the previous generation and the previous generation having this idea of what's best for the family right like that was the exact same thing the different boys boy band versus like literal boy boy. but yeah yeah, but like it's the same thing you know and so like i think about like you know my family and you know this expectation that like you're gonna go and you're gonna go and be a doctor which is the thing in my Mm -hmm. family right like my mother Mm -hmm. did not want to become a doctor and so she like she has a doctorate but it says something else and she like wanted to do a, a different thing And so, you know, like, I look back and I'm like, oh, I didn't turn out 
that way because you weren't that way. And I literally got it from you. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think that's probably one of the harder parts about being a parent is seeing the things that you don't like about yourself manifest in your children. You know? Yep. Maybe Matt can talk a little about this. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I'm I'm an asshole, so like all I just think of a bunch of jokes that would be like really inappropriate to say about my son. Well, also all of the bad stuff that comes that of our child like pretty much comes from me. No, 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 absolutely not. I mean some of it, sure, but like it's compounded. By, like, some of the the things that I've clearly passed along genetically. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But there, there are so many moments. Like, I know, like, for me, I related to this a lot in the film as well, that, that there, there's this, like, expectation that you don't show your anger. And for mm-hmm. me, it's a cultural expectation that you don't show your anger. And then on top of that, like, I just, I get mad. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, there's that experience of girlhood you're not supposed to show your anger there's a cultural expectation that you're not supposed to show your anger like you're not supposed to be angry it is like the number one no-no um and then like our child gets mad and i'm like oh that came right out of me and it's (laughs) like it's in this kid because i put it there and and then like but then you like you experience it and you know for me i'm like oh my god that that expectation was put upon my parents. They didn't have a better way. Like they didn't have like the Instagram of respectful parenting and, you know, like all of the different resources that Matt and I have to be able to like break our programming a little bit. This, mm-hmm. you know, societal expect or ex, uh, acceptance of mental mm-hmm. health, all of that sort of stuff. Like they didn't have that. And so what they worked with was, well, this is what worked for my parents. I guess this right. is what you're supposed to do. As opposed to like, oh, no, there's a healthier way to deal with that. Like, I struggle with that on a regular basis. Yeah, for sure. I can definitely imagine that. I think you guys are doing a great job every time I get to come and visit. I'm like, oh, this is so great. Can you can you go back in time and parent me? <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard, right? Because they don't tell you you're not allowed to be angry. Here's what you do with that anger. They just say mm-hmm. you're not allowed to be angry. So you're just like, a, well, at least for me anyway, I'm just like a pressure cooker. And eventually I hit my teen years and I was just so seething with resentment and anger that I had never gotten a pl- chance to put anywhere that my, my mother, my relationship with my mother is terrible. Right. And I have lots of really negative feelings about it. but. So mm-hmm. it goes, I guess, because I mean, you kind of yeah. see that in the movie too, right? Like they talk about how the mother used to be close to the daughter and there's this idea of this big separation and it's almost like it's a sacrifice to be the person that puts these, these guidelines on your children so that you, so that they have a good life, even at the, even at the expense of your relationship, maybe instead of there mm-hmm. being an acceptance and a, uh, compromise so mm. yeah yeah that's i think that's certainly the way that it was seen prior right like you know like now the the more modern thing is to like think about that power dynamic between you and your children and like be really intentional about it um and attentive towards it and that i don't think was the was the understanding um when we were growing up 
Yeah, I think the hardest thing that... So I actually worked in the foster care system for a while. And the hardest... It's... I'm going to try to articulate this well. The hardest thing for me was to get rid of the anger I felt towards the families of the girls that I was taking care of. Because mm. there are some really villainous, horrible stories. But what you have to realize is they came from sometimes something worse or at least the same. And, you know, it's really easy to judge people based on your understanding of what resources they should have or what resources you have. But that's not how people work, right? Like desperation breeds more desperation. This is not obviously a cultural thing, but it's kind of like there there are threads that run through both, right? But I truly believe mm -hmm. that parents do the best they can with what they have. And sometimes that's not enough. And that's really difficult to, for me anyway, to accept or it has been because, you know, here I'll have this story about, you know, a mom who did just absolutely horrible things to survive and how it affected her daughter who's now in, you know, the foster care system because of it. And then you realize, well, she was really poor. She had a lot of untreated mental illnesses. We don't have any safety nets in this country. And it's the easy path is to just be like, well, that is a horrible person. How could she? But in reality, the real situation is much more nuanced and painful. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think like a lot of, a lot of that, you know, a lot of that resonates across all humans, obviously, right? Mm -hmm. Like whether there's trauma there or like circumstances that, that make it challenging or whether there's just, you know, like a culture that, you know, expects one thing of you versus what you want. You know, there's like grades to that. Um, mm -hmm. A culture that is basically colliding with changes in society or a new culture mm -hmm. who doesn't value the same things or who doesn't. Yeah count success the same way right which yeah, is absolutely super super difficult because ultimately you know people just want their kids to not go hungry and to not be unhappy which is and why i think so many older generations hate gen z because they're understanding that like life is all of this mm -hmm. life is all of this extra stuff and they can value different things and they can be in different ways and they don't have to give a fuck about what yeah. the grown-ups think and <laughs> i for one celebrate that um, yeah. But also it's I mean like it's certainly hard, yeah. Mhm. Mm I'm trying hard not to be that older generation which is like get off my lawn shaking sticks at people, you know. I'm like, yes. That concerns me a little bit, but you do you. <laughs> <laughs> Can we talk about the music in Turning Red? Yeah, because it was awesome. All it was of it. Really great. One hundred percent. Um, my favorite thing about the music in Turning Red is that the uh composer who did the music that scored the film is also the same person who did the uh Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett soundtracks. <laughs> and that is just great. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I really like. I have this weird affection for fake boy band songs because I feel like it's the perfect example of sufficiently advanced satire becoming the thing that it makes fun of. And so <laughs> like, yeah, that's a boy band song. Someone just wrote it for this movie, but it's absolutely like the perfect boy band song. I love I it. I bet they had so much fun with that in the recording booths <laughs> in the studio. Mm -hmm. They're just like, Hey, you want to write some boy band shit? 
Guy's like, fuck yeah, I do. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds great. (laughs) All right, here's a stack of B44 CDs. There are three of them. Don't worry about it. Listen. <laughs> this you should tell this story, Matt. Um Oh, okay. So like they introduced the the band Four Town in the movie, uh-huh. right? And they're like, they're doing the thing. I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there, I'm watching, I'm like, why are there five of them? <laughs> I'm just watching. And then the mom says it, and I'm like, oh, because I'm the mom. Okay. Oh no. <laughs> I've been Matt put in my place. <laughs> He has learned that he has crossed over the threshold into parenthood. I mean, I probably did that a long time ago, but I was like watching it. I was like, I'm going to like, I hope the film mentions this because this is driving me. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm late. And I was just waiting. And I was also waiting for the refrain. It's like, well, because one of them is the star. Mm. And then you could probably have all kinds of like. No, the truth is you just don't understand. Within the community of which one the star is. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. I assumed it was because the two errands are the same person. Mm. Aaron T and Aaron Z. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah, I didn't, I, ab- I didn't catch that. I mm-hmm. absolutely loved Priya. I think she was my favorite character. I loved Me everything too. about Priya her. Priya was my favorite. Yeah. Priya I was like, best. oh, she's yeah. perfect. I loved her disaffected tone and how excited mm. she was. I love that all of the, the girls in the friend group were so different, but they all loved each other so much. Mm. It just made my, my little heart happy. Cause like, did you catch little- that like little bit of like what maybe almost was a romance between Priya and that goth chick? I did. I totally did. Okay. And I was like, yes, I need this to happen. I'm shipping. Like, I'm right wondering, now. I'm wondering how much of this was like, you know, Disney being shitty and saying, no, you can't have them like hug each other or whatever. Because there was like that plot line. And then there was also the plot, like the kind of like implied plot line with the boy who liked the band, the boy band Mm -hmm. who was like very vocal and like hurtful about people who liked that band. Mm -hmm. Like as clearly a stand in for like the the homosexuality. Yeah. Like, like, I don't know. I was sitting there. I was like, Oh, I wonder how much of this Disney said no to, you know, like how much of this did Disney make? Like how much of this was a battle? Like the way that Mm -hmm. like, uh, like Luisa's build was a battle. Oh yeah. In in Kanto. Domi, she actually with Tyler. So I was reading recently that apparently they had planned to put in like one of Maymay's cousins who was also a red, like he was a boy, but going through the transition. So he's also a red panda. And then, for some reason that I didn't get to, um, they like decided to repurpose the storyline into Tyler. I think because it would have okay. like muddied it too much. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I think like I think that parallel still holds like in the context of Tyler's character. But I I know that there was a plan. Like like I think there was some intentionality behind like having like the Tyler character like ha- have to have like a similar experience like this particular film was about girlhood and that experience of girlhood but like there's mm-hmm. also something there that boys experience too and it's over here you know yeah it, it was like a nod to why are boys that age terrible because they're going through their own terrible stuff and this is how they are coping you know mm-hmm. like he has to make fun of the things that he doesn't like about himself and other people so that he can sis- distance himself from that you know yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I also like that they like at the end they're like besties, like all five. Yeah, of them. and then he's just around all the time. And all it took was him being a four towner, and they immediately were like, "Yes, we're all friends now." <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's true. Boy bands true. bring everyone together. Just like just like our friendship would one hundred percent have been ruined if you had said Backstreet Boys. <laughs> just I'm over kidding. from that day forward. I'm sorry. I have to leave right now. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. I think the saddest thing or the saddest part for me of the film was when she does finally get her panda, basically when she gets her coping skills, right? So that she can, she can function while still having this part of herself. It's her friends that she's imagining, but she can't say that, right? Mm -hmm. She has to tell her mom, it's you. It's my love for you because I'm not allowed to have anything else is what it feels like. That's so hard. Mm-hmm. Well, also like that, you know, that's like the nature of growing up. Like that is adulthood mm-hmm. when like your parents stop becoming the most important thing of your life. Like that's why that's why parents hate adolescence, right? Because mm-hmm. you go from like this perfect being who loves their parent more than anything else to like the idealized scenario, obviously. But like, yeah. you know, you go from that to and like also to a being certain a extent, tiny like, somebody you can order around. Right. Like somebody, you know, there's that power dynamic. And then when you become an adolescent, right, like you're like biologically like the programming is like you need to break those bonds so you can reforge community bonds. Like that's just Mm -hmm. that's just the basics. Right. So like it makes sense that she needed her friends to like co-regulate and get her through that. Like her friends have more daily shared experiences with her. Right. But she at the same time still like valued her time with her mom, like the cleaning and all of that stuff, you know, and so. You know, even at the end, she says, like, I am, I want this, but I'm worried that it's going to take me away from further you. Further away from you. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's like, the part I where mean, I started that's... crying. <laughs> yes. I definitely have tears in my eyes right now. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I can't, I can't fucking handle this. It's too much. <laughs> I also, yeah. in that moment, like, I really just loved the, like, you know, when she decides to keep her panda, she goes off with the ancestor. And that to me was like generational healing, you know, like. Oh, yeah. It's just such a lot. Like there were just so many feelings that were unpacked. And at least for me, I kind of feel like the mom at the end accepting her. And the part that I like fucking lost it at was go as far as you can. I'll be proud of you no matter what or whatever she said. I can't remember the exact words. I was like, ah! Like, that's just exactly what I want to hear. Please, you know, please just give me permission to both be myself and still receive your love. And not not be the single most disappointing thing to my family ever. Yeah, I'm not crying. You're crying. I I am. <laughs> yeah, I, both, I'm both of you are so bit. emotionally deep and connected. I'm just like I like the part where they all come together and they're beatboxing and singing and dragging the giant panda into the magic circle. <laughs> <laughs> I like that part too, but like uh, that that song was like the best song where it was like the like the boy band song plus like mm-hmm. the odds doing the. Oh, I was yeah, so disappointed chanting. there wasn't like a full track of that. Yeah. Oh, I know. I, I looked it up and there was like, yeah, you get the bit that you get in the movie. But I'm like, no, no, I want a whole song with the chanting together. and the beatboxing in the song. I want the whole song <laughs> it's, like it's that. It's generations coming together and 
making something beautiful. <laughs> and the friends uh, and the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like the best four town concert ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a little I bit of like Chekhov's gun, right? Like they introduced the beatboxing early in the film. Yeah. It's not, I always like it when things come full circle like that. Mm-hmm. Of course you do. Oh. You're in a film. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the thing is, it's like, I know it's coming, right? Like, and I see it, it's still like really satisfying for me. Yeah. It's like, you better, you better fire this gun. <laughs> yeah, I get so here. frustrated. In fact, I get frustrated when something like that doesn't happen. Oh, Yeah. Thank you for this giant plot hole and this tension yeah. that will never be resolved. It's like an unclosed quotation mark. Right. That's going to yeah. bug me for weeks. Forever. I also really loved the Korean friend. She was so Abby. intense. Yeah, like that's the that's the friend I want to be in the group. Like ride or die and also super fucking intense, but everyone loves her. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, "You're right. Let's go kill them." <laughs> but also while wearing like the brightest, prettiest like pink overalls. Mhm. Yeah, that whole that whole friend group I really loved because they mm-hmm. like it was like different sides of like who they wanted to be. My favorite part was during the during the like the the discussion about the concert that like, you know, like Maymay's like I can't go. Priya's like my parents said I couldn't go. <laughs> and then the white girl is like my parents said I could go, but I have to earn the I have to pay for it myself. Ugh. And I was like <laughs> My entire high school friend group. Here it is. <laughs> right here. Yeah. Ugh. And then, of course, the whole, well, we'll just say we're sleeping at your house. Classic. You know? Mm-hmm. All the little subversions you have to do to try to maintain your multiple lives. Mm-hmm. So what do you, what do you think was one of the bigger, like, cultural things that you had to overcome in your family? Like, and your experience? Because you have a good relationship with your parents now. At the yeah, I have a good relationship with my parents now. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like the main, like the main thing to overcome is was Matt, right? Like that I married outside of my culture, um, yeah. and that was a big deal to them, right? Um, I remember, yeah, and yes, and um, like obviously it was a big deal because of. The marrying outside of my culture, it was also a big deal because of, um, because like I wanted to do that instead of like the, the path that was laid out for me, which is like you finish all of your education. So like for the benefit of podcast people who don't know me, right? Like the, my, my grandparents, they educated all of their girl children despite like societal expectations at the time. Right. And so then, you know, for us, it was like, well, the step one, you get your education so you don't have to rely on no man. And then step two, like, <laughs> I guess get married if that's what you want to do. Step two, go find a man <laughs> to rely on. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, well, but like, that's also not necessarily true. Like, they don't, they don't expect that of you. Right. Which okay, is nice. Yeah. That's a nice uh, deviation from what I would expect. Yeah. 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 And so, like, you know, and so instead, which is, I uh, like, not, you know, not, uh, not necessarily common to all Asian cultures, right? Like this is just my particular family story, but like it was, but the thing that, that is universal is that like your family to a certain extent, like envisions a path for you. And instead Mm -hmm. of like, we're, you are putting you on a path and then like, we'll be here to support you. It was like, you were putting you on this path and this is the right path, right? Like this is what's going to get you because for them, it was like, 
you get your education so you don't have to rely on another person. Um, and then, and then you go from there, but like, how are you going to focus on your education if you have like this man distracting you? And then <laughs> lo and behold, I met this man. <laughs> this man. <laughs> a man that her parents specifically used as an example of who not to be dating. Really? Yes, at one point they met him and they story. were like, don't ma- don't, don't date somebody <laughs> like that. <laughs> and I was like, oh. Well, I'm not technically dating someone like that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And then now they think he like walks on water and is like God's gift to mankind. Which so, it truly is a 180. Yeah. Like, it's cra- true. like the first time I, I like we met for real and like i we, it was the most awkward dinner of my life like just sitting oh, there and they're it staring was tea matt it keeps thinking it was dinner because it was, it was that long for it was him. long it, it felt was like tea. dinner we were there for 30 minutes was it oh, just 30 no. minutes it was 30 minutes they were staring daggers at me for 30 yeah. minutes straight <laughs> oh poor matt yes you poor made matt it. in this <laughs> scenario <laughs> Poor everybody. <laughs> turned out okay. <laughs> oh, it yeah. turned out great. Yeah. Well, that's, I think that's the thing too, right? Like for ultimately, like obviously, Maymay is fictional. So mm-hmm. who knows, right? But like for my family in particular, like I, I, I did, I did the path. I just did it in the wrong order. And like, mm-hmm. can you imagine like if I did, I, if I just didn't do the path or I like did a different path, right? So like yeah. for a lot of people, I think that there's that, again, it goes back to that that idea of parenthood of like you know you have this perfect being and you're supposed to like set them on the correct path and then watch them go and it's like that's not how that works like you're supposed to like give them the tools so that they can you know do their own thing yeah but that's like so hard for people and for the conception of what family life was in like i think you know before now right i agree like i feel like especially with changing values, it used to be that you were an extension of or almost a copy of what was expected of you from lines above, right? And so you weren't supposed to deviate very much from the pattern of whatever success looked like before you. And that's really frustrating. I think that a lot of times, maybe... Like, not everybody, but I've definitely met a lot of people who have kids because they want more of themselves in the world, as weird as that Mm. sounds. Like, they're like, yes, you're not your own person. You are just a copy of me, and you were around to edify me. And that's just not healthy, you know? Like, that's a really heavy burden to put on a child. Yeah. Well, also, I mean, like, I can't speak for right now, right? Like, we have, you know modern tools as it were (laughs) to do whatever you want um Mm -hmm. but like you know there is that at you know like in in talking about this too as like a metaphor for just like generally womanhood or girlhood right like Mm -hmm. there was this expectation that like this was the you know like if you if you acknowledge this part of yourself that is sexual too much right like and too Mm -hmm. early like the the imperative is to have kids, right? And so you're going to get there faster and you won't be able to handle it. Like, that sort of thing. The red panda will take over forever. Mm-hmm. It'll be nothing but a hairy monster. Mm-hmm. Something yeah. like that. Well, and even the grandma says, like, if you 
like it feels so good to get it out. Like she says mm-hmm. in the at one of the points, like it feels so good to get it out, but then like you won't be able to put it back. And it's like, what if you don't want to put it back? Yeah. What if like what that's if you want to making some assumptions? <laughs> some sense of yeah. What's a some sense of balance? I like that they all sort of embrace their pandas again to help bring the the mom back. Right. Mm-hmm. I thought that that was really sweet. I also found it interesting that the first generation uh, Asian American character, the mom, was an enormous and incredibly scary red panda. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. That is huge. <laughs> Fucking My dad's run. just sitting there like, I-, I told you she was big. <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, but you didn't, you didn't say this big. Oh my goodness. Like she was like, 10 times bigger than anyone else. <laughs> oh yeah. Which to me means that the pressure that Mamie is experiencing is at least diminished from the pressure that her mom was feeling. Right. And we kind of see that when Mamie finds her mom as a kid in the forest. What a cool scene. Mm-hmm. Well, I think too, so much about, that that's like the pressure is diminished because you have a lot more privilege and a lot more latitude. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I, like I think about this in the context of me so much that like, as much as like when I was 13, like I bitched about these things. Like now I'm like, Oh man, like I didn't have it as hard as my mother had it when she was 13, you know? And I like, couldn't possibly know what that would be like. Um, And so like that, you know, even despite like putting all this pressure on your children, it's like you're still hiding from them. Like you're still sheltering them in some mm-hmm. ways. Yeah, absolutely. You don't. And in some ways that makes it more confusing because you don't know where the pressure is coming from. Mm-hmm. Because it seems like it's just coming from your parents. Right. Because you don't have the <laughs> the environmental trappings that your parents had when they first came over or when they were first here. And we're suffering from poverty or having to work really hard to establish yourself in a new country or whatever. Um, And so I think that disconnect is kind of damaging to the parent-child relationship or it can be. I think think it's funny. I remember having this literal conversation with my mom where, like, the first time I had to, like, actually discipline our child. Like, I was talking to my mother and I was like, you know, when I was little, I thought you just liked yelling at me. I didn't realize how much it sucked for you. (laughs) Yeah. What do you even do? What do you do with that? (laughs) I love how cute this movie was, though. Like when all their eyes got really sparkly at different points. (laughs) Or the The box of kittens. Oh, (laughs) my God. I was like, yes. (laughs) If I I could turn into a red panda, I would right now. (laughs) The the animation style in this movie is is really cool. Um, I really... Like I liked it. I know a lot of people. There are some people online who who are like, "Oh, this is a Cal Art style coming to picture." I was like, "Yeah, you know, it's not really that Cal Art style so much as it is like clearly inspired by by like Asian animation." Anime. Yeah, like the, it's it's very Miyazaki. Eyes like and yeah, uh, yeah, the giant eyes, the um, the, the all the gratuitous food shots. Oh, oh my Which, gosh, like, the first scene where like her dad is making food. I was like, I don't know oh, what this so movie good. just turned into, but I am here for it cuz this yeah. is great. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's really just like a a, a a way for them to pitch a, a food movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, also, what if food had feelings? Food. Oh wait, no, they did that. With Seth Rogen was there. 
Well, also, we should talk about how this uh, this director is the same person who did Bow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <gasps> oh, yeah. I could short. totally see the yes. influence of that. That was a great short, yeah. although it was a little weird and kind of crushing as well. Oh, so. it was good. It's so good. Bow was good. Bow, yeah, Bow was good. Our child refuses to let me watch it. Because I, the first time I saw it with him, I cried. And he was like, this is too sad for you. (laughs) (laughs) He watches it over and over. He watches it over and over, but he refuses to let me watch it. That is adorable. And I love everything about that. (laughs) Oh, what a sweetie. Yeah. What was the hardest part of this movie for you to watch? Uh I don't know the, how to answer the, the, the whole the, thing. The, 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 the whole thing. The part where it's the playing. Art, the art. The, the oh, what's it called? Oh, yeah. When she was like drawing her like mermaid boyfriend. Yeah. Person. And then and, and they go to the, the convenience oh, store no. and the mom confronts the dude. I was like, no, stop it. Please be a nightmare. Please wake up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah that whole part I was really like, cringy. Oh, <laughs> that was terrible. Like, no. And I think the harder part for me was for her, was watching her in her room later chastising herself. That mm. was hard for me because I was like, yep, that's me. You know, someone gives you a small disapproving, like, statement or whatever, and then you turn it up to a thousand and direct it inwards. And then just keep yeah. doing that. I feel like I would say the the part where like the mom turns on after Tyler's party the mom turns on the friends oh um, yeah and is like you like how dare you mm-hmm. um because like for Maymay it was played in the film as like you know Maymay like betrayed her friends um and you know didn't speak up for them or whatever you mm-hmm. know but like at the same time like I can imagine that's like you know like that's just like taking away her own agency in that yeah moment. there's no winning in that situation like it's either you know it's either you're you like you have bad influences from media or bad influences from friends or bad influence like external influences but it's Mm -hmm. like you are not able to control anything and i i found that hard because i was like yeah like i don't respect you and your autonomy you're clearly a child if you have done something it's because you are not smart enough or capable enough to not have done it yourself you Mm -hmm. know yeah yeah but at the end, they're like, oh, you can come over for dinner. Oh, it's like, oh, look at all this healing. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Damn it. Yeah. But also, I never want to watch it again. So, <laughs> But I listen to the songs very frequently. Yeah. I just thought it was great. funny because, like, I watched Encanto and I was immediately like, let's watch this again. Because it didn't, uh, it didn't, like, turn a knife in my chest, you know? But. <laughs> Yeah. Although, I mean, there are parts of Encanto that I'm like, it's fine if we skip this part. Yeah. <laughs> Some of these parts are really sad. The part where Bruno's all yeah. by himself. So naturally, I'm, I'm really excited to see what else Domi Shi does there at Pixar. Yeah. Um, now, she's part of the senior creative team there now. What? Oh, that's that's awesome. great. Um, which, it's really impressive. She started as an intern there like 10 or 11 years ago. Wow. Um, so... If you know anything about animation, like going from intern to senior creative in that time period, like that's amazing. That's like, and within like one company, like that's Mm -hmm. like, that's one of those things where it's like, especially, especially as a woman in the animation 
especially as like you know a minority woman in animation like it doesn't matter what kind of connections you have like because like animation like all businesses are like nepotism and bullshit but like i don't care what kind of like connections you have if you're going into that field as a minority woman and you make it that far like you worked your ass off to get there Mm-hmm. And are um, probably very talented and have an awesome vision. Yeah. So I'm really excited to see what she does in the future. And like, you know, what comes next. That is super exciting. I love the increase of diversity of contributors to this space right now. I'm 100% here for it. Maybe the next thing that she does won't, you know be this hard <laughs> oh, I mean, that's the sign of, that's that's good media though right like, yeah that's that's good art yeah part uh, of me is wondering like who is this movie for is it for us because how is it for younger kids i mean it feels like it's for millennials mm. now right yeah that's but kind of what it feels it like with their children because like it's, it takes place in 2002 it's like it's our young adult, like our young childhood coming of age mm-hmm. time period with the same cultural norms we faced. Um, Thanks, I hate it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and obviously it feels really personal to the filmmaker, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, it just feels like this is an authentic take and communication with like uh, the, the clearly the, the struggle she had as a young woman and the love she has for her mother. Mm-hmm. the cognitive yeah i think that's why it's so universal too mm-hmm. because like she poured so much of herself into like this and bow like she talks about it too mm-hmm. um when you like read stuff by her that like she poured so much of herself into it that like it's not just it's not just stereotypical it's not just for an asian american audience like it really mm-hmm. does resonate across um and that's what good stories do when they're authentic is that they resonate across cultures and bridge divides and all of that stuff um, because they are, like, truly authentic. Well, and a lot of these experiences are very intersectional, right? Like, the Mm -hmm. whole idea that you can parse and slice your relationship out based on the different types of otherness or whatever you're experiencing seems completely disingenuous to me, right? Like, You were um, an immigrant and a gifted student and a whatever, right? Like all of these things inform your experience from the world and your expectations, you know, even just living in Canada versus living in the U.S. or all of these Mm -hmm. things. Although I did find it super interesting that it was so similar to the uh, American experience that I had at least, so... Matt was telling me that, like, I was like, oh, this this band is totally based on NSYNC. Because it has, you know, there are five, like, the, 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 like, the, the front man has, like, curly hair, you know, mm-hmm. like, that's Justin Timberlake, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Matt was like, well, apparently it was inspired by this Canadian band, B44. And I was like, well, okay. <laughs> I guess they're all the same. <laughs> they're all produced by the same guy, anyway. Yeah. Y'all haven't seen Gravity Falls, have you? Not outside the first episode or two. Okay, this isn't really a spoiler, but there's definitely... So there's a boy band that Mabel and her friends are obsessed with. And at some point, they find out that the boy band 
is literally just all clones of one person. And so the producer just keeps cloning the same person and keeps them in like a giant human sized hamster cage. The whole thing is absurd, but it's also hilarious. Uh, Eventually Mabel saves them because that's how Mabel do. So any other burning uh, thoughts? I don't think so. I think we we've covered a lot of good stuff. It's a good movie. I think people should go watch it. Yeah, I think the 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 definitely you know like the 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 backlash to the film is complete baloney. Like it's just backlash to it. I live under a rock. Who's backlashing? I'll I'll give you two guesses. (laughs) Conservative Christians. So like people were upset about the periods. Also, at one point, like the mom says, like uh, she's talking about some friend of hers or somebody in like Mei Mei's life. And she said, like, she looks like a stripper, dresses like a stripper or something else. Oh, and then yeah. there was a whole lot, whole lot of mm-hmm. like, how dare you mention strippers in right, a, a children's movie, movie. like <laughs> sex work. And then the dancing guys. Oh, yeah. There's like the, the twerky dancing. Oh, yes. And with twerking. The, the booty dancing. Yes. And mm-hmm. I think one of the songs was like the, one of the big popular, you know, something to do with booties. I don't know. I didn't listen oh. to the only thing I listened to back then was like fucking Metallica. So I don't, I don't, <laughs> know but, um, like there's a lot of, you know, there's just a lot of rabble rousing from suburban waspy. Hilarious. Shitheads. Because that's what the movie's um, about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shifting cultural uh, norms and people being upset about it. Ah, yeah. that's hilarious. So meta. So meta. That's right. Wow. Like people who f- long ago forgot what it was like to be that age. Or people who are like, well, I had to, or I experienced, or whatever, so I'm going to do it too. You know, like the people who defend spanking. Well, I was spanked, and look how I turned out. And I was like, yeah, no, no. not a good the movie indicator. Is wholesome and great and fine. And if you don't know how to explain strippers to your kid, I don't know what to tell you. You just also shouldn't. girls have periods. There you go. Um, it sucks. Well, AFAB. Right. People who are born with female anatomy have periods, and it sucks. And maybe if we actually talked about it more, it would suck less. So, a little bit. Yep, that is Ooh. correct. Especially, like, I got my first period when I was nine years old. Like, Mei Mei is, what, 13 in this movie? Mm-hmm. And her mom was mm-hmm. like, oh, I thought I had more time. And I was like, damn, I wish I had had more time. Four less years <laughs> of dealing with this would be great. <laughs> so. Yep. Well, I think that is probably enough for today. And, um, you know, it's a good movie. I think I think you should go watch it, I think. Yeah, it's very well done. Yeah. Um, if you want to talk about about it with us you can check out our discord uh, and you can find a link to that on our website at www.mediumsalt.com while there you can check out some of our other episodes or you can find other episodes wherever you find your favorite podcasts thank you for joining us today have a wonderful week and as always stay salty stay salty